I invite you to the little book of Titus, or it's actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus. And uh, the title of the sermon is Eager to Do What is Good. Uh, This phrase is found at least half a dozen times in 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 the the letter doing what is good <laughs> and uh so yeah that's what this is about and it it shows it, it sh- instructs us uh, and uh, the letter instructs us of what good behavior is it also shows us how it how it is accomplished in uh Good works are not something we just drum up on our own. If we do, if we, if if it's just self-effort, then it's not really good after all. But it's if it's from the grace of God, then we actually can live lives that are that are good. I've heard parents say, uh, "I wonder if I wonder if I said that I probably have." I I know you want to be a good little boy. Have you ever heard a parent say that when when the child is acting up or or being bad? I know you want to be a good little boy. Pretty, pretty hard for a little boy to be good when, when he has uh, has the nature inclination not to be good. That remi- reminds me of a story uh, that Jerry Clower told. Um, Claude Ledbetter was a young boy, and his some of his stories, and he was forevermore bad a while. And if I remember the story correctly, Uncle Bercy can remember the mother's name. But anyway, Uncle Bercy had invited the school teacher, Miss Middle Lee, to they invited her for a meal at, at the Bercy uh, household. And Claude was acting up as usual, and Miss Middle Lee said, "Oh, Claude, I know you want to be a, be a sweet little boy." And Claude said, "Talk about something sweet." And he took up the syrup pitcher and turned it bottom, bottom upwards on Miss Middley's head. And the syrups went running down all over Miss Middley. Claude was forevermore bad for a while. Now, that's kind of an extreme story, but uh, that's the way the story was told. Well, this sermon is, is about doing what is good. The title comes right from our text, which I'll read. I'll start reading in Titus 2.14 in a little bit. But that verse says, Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I should say that in, in this letter, God, is, God the Father is called God our Savior a few times. Jesus is also called our great God and Savior. Okay, the verse our great God and Savior Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people of, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So this sermon is about how Jesus has redeemed us, saved us, also how he's able to transform us out of a life of sin and make us eager to do what is good. So my prayer, my prayer is this morning that this meditation on this on this scripture will stir in us an eagerness to do what is good. 
Uh, not being good before God should not be a heavy burden because <laughs> we don't do it by self-effort. We'll see that doing good is not really an end in itself to gain a personal reputation of being a good, good person. It's not really about that. As I said, if we, if we do good out of self-effort, it ends up not really being good anyway. We will see that doing what is good is not about earning our salvation. Salvation is not achieved by human effort or human merit or by any religious uh, religious ceremony. Salvation is a gift from God. It is, it is by the mercy and grace of God that we're saved. Not any self-effort. We don't have we don't and won't uh, earn our salvation by being good. The scripture text will tell us that doing what is good is a work of the Holy Spirit. God our Savior saved us. This is uh, from chapter 3, verse 5. God our Savior saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. When I was reading the book uh, in the last week, I was intrigued to notice uh, the phrases, uh, how often the phrase about doing good appeared in, in the book appeared quite a few times. I'll mention them. The elders must be one. It was given the uh, Apostle Paul wrote the, the t- Titus about the qualification for elders. The elder must be one who loves what is good. He gives some war- warning about false teachers who don't tr- treat, uh, preach the true gospel and he says they're unfit for doing anything that is good, and those who believe they're teaching won't end up doing good. Uh, the older women are to teach what is good. The younger women are to be good. Uh, the NIV, which I'm using this morning, says they're to be kind. King James Version says they're to be good. Uh, it also says in this letter that the young men, for the young men, Titus is to set an example of what is, what is good in everything. And there's a little section about how we're to live before our government. It says everyone is to be subject to the government authorities and be ready to do whatever is good, be a good citizen. Uh, this, scripture, this scripture also says that those who trusted, trust, have trusted God are to be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So in light of all these verses, I get the feel, the sense that it really is important about doing what is good. So that's one, one theme of the book, doing good. Love, it says loving what is good, doing what is good, teaching what is good over and over. Uh, uh, Titus, Apostle Paul wrote Titus, teach the young men about being good, teach the older the older men about being good. Teach the, teach the ladies about being good. Teach the slaves how to be good. 
So that there is the theme about doing good. But then the overarching theme in the book of Titus is that the grace of God is what saves people from the penalty and power of sin. The grace of God also enables people to, to, to do what is good and live a life of goodness. So now just to whet your appetite about, it's a book about instruction of what is uh, what doing good is. And so I just have a list here. I just read the book, wrote down uh, what the Bible here is describing as being good. There's instruction for church leaders. There's instruction for older and younger women, older men and younger men. There's instructions for slaves. There's instructions for citizens of a country. So there's something, uh, some of us, all of us fit into some of these categories about doing what is good. Okay, here's a, here's a list. Blameless, faithful, good, good management of family, loving spouse and children, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not drunken or violent, not dishonest, rather hospitable, self-controlled. Self-control is just having your desires and your actions under God's control. Upright, holy, disciplined, trustworthy, temperate, respectable and respectful, sound in faith, loving, pure, kind, in subjection to authority, respecting authority, being a person of integrity, having serious and sound speech, peaceable, upright, obedient, considerate, productive. That's a big list. It's it's a beautiful list of um, how God wants us to do what is good. Uh, Don't you want to live that way? I sure do, and not and not for self-glory because that's not goodness, but for the lo- for love of Jesus and to enhance His gospel. Uh, I want to live and do what is good. Is this kindness? Is this kind of goodness even possible? The answer is yes, through God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Savior and by the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to read from Titus 2, uh, verse, starting at verse 11, and read through chapter 3. Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the of the glory of our great and God, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very very own eager to do what is good. These things, these then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. 
Do not let anyone despise you. Now chapter 3. <clears throat> Remind the people to be subject to rulers and, and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward every, everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn the device person once and then warn them a second time, and after that have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I send you Artemis and Tychicus, to, as soon as I send these brothers to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Every one of us sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be to you all. Okay, let's tr uh, return back to verse 11 in chapter 2. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace, what is grace? Merle preached about grace and defined it well the other Sunday. Grace is God's unmerited spiritual favor on, the, on those who believe on Jesus. Grace is the undeserved love of God showed to us in Jesus Christ while we were yet sinners. And it's apart from any, any personal merit, any personal achievement, any religious acts we, we might uh, engage in. Grace is God's undeserved love for us that he shows to us in Christ. That, that was actually a quote from NIV Study Bible, I believe. And th this verse says that God's grace has, has appeared to us in Jesus Christ. Over in chapter 3, I read, The kindness and love of God appeared. He saved us. 
So we, we meet the grace of God in Jesus, Jesus Christ. He came to us, he comes to us in, in a great display of kindness and love. That's who he is. And he wants each of us to be that way too. He wants to make us into people that, that have kindness and love for, for all around us. It says, this grace has appeared to all people to offer salvation to all people. So that means that grace appears, uh, the grace of God appears to each of us. That means that you and I are candidates of the grace of God. Yes, you, each one, can receive grace from Jesus Christ. Grace saves us, these verses say, and grace is also a teacher. This is also in verse 11. The grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all people. It, grace also teaches us to say to un, no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live a self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age. Grace saves us. God's grace teaches us how to live. Teaches us to say no to what is ungodly and worldly and say yes to what is self-controlled, upright, and godly and to live a life of godliness in this present age. We live in a confu confusing world <clears throat> and it's wicked too in a lot of ways. And, and Jesus uh, gives us his grace to, to able, be able to live a godly life in this present age. We, we live this way while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus has already appeared to us when he came in his earthly, earthly uh, when he was here for his earthly ministry and his death and resurrection. He also has appeared to us personally that, in that he reaches out to us uh, in a personal way. And there's, this is also talking about another appearing that is yet to come. As, as we're living in this world, uh, living by the grace of God, we do this as we wait for his next appearing. And then it says again, this is the theology of good living, that that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, this is verse 13 and 14 and following, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus Christ saves us. He gives us his grace to save us. His grace also teaches us how to live, and gives us a motivation from within with an eagerness to do what is good. Verse 15, the apostle tells Titus, uh, these are the things that you should teach and encourage and rebuke. Uh, the, the teaching of the true, pure, balanced gospel uh, results in a... a a life of good living. 
And now in verse, we're just at, right at the entrance of chapter 3. There's just a little section here about being a good citizen, being ready to do, do good in our citizen, citizenship. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. So all, each of us are a citizen of, I think all of us here are citizens of the United States. We're citizens of the state of Virginia. We're the citizens of this county. They have some laws and regulations, and we have officials that, that watch over us, work for us, uh, tell us what to do, and in some ways over-regulate us, we think, sometimes. But the teaching here is that... Uh, of how to be a good citizen. We are citizens of heaven. We're also citizens here on earth of earth, earthly authorities, under earth, earthly authorities. And the teaching is to be obedient, uh, respectful, ready to do what is good, not slandering, but peaceable and considerate, which means to be very courteous, always gentle towards everyone. So these, this teaching is given in the context of how we view our government officials and our government. And uh, so we shouldn't be slandering. We need to be careful how we talk about our government officials. Uh, we should be peaceful, courteous, and gentle, uh, which means we shouldn't be agitators or disruptors, and uh, I think what we see in politics in our day is certainly not uh, according to this teaching, where there's, where people demean one another, they rail on each other, they smear each other. There's aggressive opposition to those that are not agreed with. This is not what grace teaches. Grace teaches us to be peaceable, courteous, uh, careful with our speech, and gentle. Are we going to get very far, far in this world, in politics, with this kind of an attitude? I say yes. As a Christian, we, we have uh, a power that's better and beyond that of the ways of the world. Verse 3 in this chapter acknowledged that we weren't always living in grace. Uh, at one time, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions. We lived in malice and envy. We hated, and we're, we're hated by, we hated others. They hated us. But grace has changed all that. We've left behind those attitudes and methods, this Verses also say, but when the kindness and the love of our God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. <clears throat> and I'll say again that Jesus appeared to us in all of his goodness and kindness, and he wants to make, he is making for himself a people for his very own, and he wants them to be eager to do what is good. He wants us to be kind and good, just like he is kind and good. 
But the verses remind us, now this doing good is not what saves us. It is only a a result. It is a result of our encounter with Jesus Christ. We're saved by God's mercy and grace, not because of any righteous things we have done. And then it goes on to talk about how the saving was done. It was done through the washing, verse 5, and the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. whom he he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Makes us, we're justified by grace. We become heirs of the hope of eternal life so that those who have trusted in God may devote themselves to doing what is good. There's that phrase again. God wants us to do what is good. His grace enables us, empowers us to do what what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I ask questions. Are we grateful that Jesus has appeared to us in all his love and kindness? Are we grateful that he has saved us by his mercy and grace? Are we grateful that the Holy Spirit has given us rebirth and renewal? Are we grateful that the same grace that saves us also teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to live upright, godly lives while we wait for Jesus' next coming? I just mentioned this earlier, but this, this, in this letter to Apostle Paul, in this letter, Apostle Paul writes to Timothy about teaching sound, balanced doctrine. Saved by grace, and then grace teaches us to do what is right. Uh, I meant to mention this earlier, but I will now. In, in verse 1, he actually tells, the, tells us the purpose of his writing. Notice this. Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ. And here's his purpose of his writing to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That's why he wrote this letter. To further, these were Cretans, Cretans, people in Crete. He wrote to further um, the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. And that's why he, God gives this scripture to us too. To increase our faith, increase our knowledge, uh, so that it will result in a life of godliness. And in, in this book, I'll not read the verses, but he, he, he has teaching against the false teachers. In one, one place he says that they, that these false teachers must be silenced because they're teaching what they not, ought not to teach. And um, he says some are teaching Jewish myths. Others are teaching merely human commands. They're corrupted. They, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So... There is false teaching to be aware of and watchful 
four. And it seems like the unsound false teaching that they were facing was that somewhat was they were requiring Judy, uh, some of the Jewish ceremonies. They were also requiring ascetic living, which was like a rigid kind of living, not really according to the Bible, uh, teaching that that is the way you become a good person, a legalistic, um, coercive kind of teaching. And and Apostle Paul ends up saying that's that doesn't produce a godly life. In fact, the people are un the teachers and the people that follow them are disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. I think a teaching we I, I have I didn't notice it in this text, but I, I think a teaching that is somewhat prevalent in our day, it, an un, unbalanced gospel, is that we're saved by grace alone. And um, and then after that, it doesn't really matter how you live. Few few, few would say it that strongly, <laughs> but the hyper eternal security teaching, I think, does say something like that in an unbalanced way. We're saved by grace alone. The truth is, we're saved by grace. Grace also teaches us um, how to live a good life. Some questions I'll try to answer briefly. Uh, how can I ever be good enough? The standard is so high. Jesus is so holy, good, and kind. How can I ever be good enough? Well, the, the answer is that we can't be good enough. We don't have to be good enough. We're saved by grace. We just need to be sure then that we're allowing this grace to also teach us what is good and how to be good. And day after day, Day after every day, the grace of God teaches us. Are we listening? Do you notice it? I do. I think you do too. That day after day, the grace of God is teaching us in all of life's situations uh, how to do what is good and, and, and offering us the empowerment to do, to do what is good. In the family... We need it there, don't we? In the workplace, in our neighborhood, at the store. As we drive, wherever, whenever, the grace of God wants to teach us. Can I really be good? And really, I think we need to let God measure our goodness. But, but in, a, in a deliberate, thinking, conscious, uh, this text says... To, to be careful to devote yourself to being good. That, that means we're thoughtful about how we're living and what we could, what we could do good in this situation. What, what is grace teaching us? Can we be good? Well, if the, the Cretans could be good, certainly we can be good. One of their own prophets, it says in this text, said about the Cretans, they're always liars, they're evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. If, God, by God with his grace, can make a Cretan um, good, then certainly God can make us good as well. Yes, by the grace of God, we can be becoming good. 
What are some of the results of being good? This is, I'm sure this is not comprehensive, but one of the results of being good is in the, the last, ver, uh, one of the last, ver, next to the last verse in the chapter. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. So when we devote ourselves to being good and the grace of God teaches us how to do what is good, uh, we'll be providing for needs of those around us. And we'll be blessing them. He had just said that the told Titus that he should help Zenos and Apollos in whatever way they could see that they have everything they need. And then he says, our people, our people must learn to devote themselves to do, to do what is, devote themselves to doing what is good and provide for needs. Another result of doing what is good, and this is, this is terribly interesting to me because I'm, I'm concerned about evangelism. I'm, I'm sure you are too, but it's, it's, it's not a, these verses are not about preaching on the street corner or, you know, some visible ministry that we could do and, and should do probably. But it's a, it's a message to the older women, the younger women, the older men, the younger men, and to the slaves. And here's what he says, um, if I can find it. Okay, the older windows has a list of the good things the older women should do, and then the younger women, and then he says, so that no one will, will malign the word of God. Just by their good living, uh, they would keep people from speaking against the word of God. And then he, he gives a list of good things that the younger men are supposed to do, and he says, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about you, nothing bad to say about you. The young men's good testimony, um, people not, will not have anything to say about them. And then about the slaves, and we could take this as employers, uh, they're to be try to please their masters, not to talk back, not to seal, steal, show that they can, are fully tust, can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So one result of doing what is good, being taught by the grace of God, empowered by the grace of God, doing what is good, in that way we make God our Savior, Jesus Christ our Savior, and his gospel attractive to the people that we rub shoulders with. So good living, produced by the grace of God, uh, is a powerful testimony, and it enhances and advances the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say thank God that the grace of God has appeared to us and the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live godly lives in these present age as we wait for the next appearing of uh, the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And when we get to the end of the road, 
not because we've earned it, <laughs> but we, we can be at, at the end of the road, at the judgment, as we face Jesus uh, with the great separation. Uh, Jesus can say to us, the good you did, for the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. You fed the hungry, you clothed the naked, you visited the, those in prison. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Again, I say, it's not, we'll not, we haven't earned, we'll, we'll not have earned interest in, into the heaven's glory. But we can live a life uh, by the grace of God that pleases our Savior and pleases our Heavenly Father. God bless you as grace teaches you to do what is good.